Hello, welcome to another episode of Hope with Danny, a podcast dedicated to inspire listeners everywhere with weekly stories and personal testimonies from our wide range of guests. I'm your host, Danny Daniel, and thank you for listening. Before we really get started here, I always like to give a little shout out or a mention to our business partners and our charitable partners. Uh, we have as business partners the Athens Area Chamber of Commerce and also the Oconee Chamber of Commerce, so we've got them both covered. And they're doing great things, and we're going to partner with them to do great things for them as well and have them on, the, on as, a, uh, as a podcast somewhere down the road. Uh, our charitable, par- charitable partners are uh, St. Jude's Charitable Hospital, which is applicable a little bit today for children. Uh, Lydia's Place. Lydia's Place is here in Athens, and it takes uh, older kids uh, that uh, really don't have a family and it carries them through college and puts them on the road to independence. Uh, we also are the Wounded Warriors uh, Project uh, sponsors, as well as Camp Southern Ground. So we're glad to have them, and uh, we're also glad to have Sally Starrett. I'll probably know Starrett. I'll get that wrong a couple of times and finally get it right. But she is the executive director and CEO of Bright Pass, and that name really says it all, doesn't it, Sally? Yeah, thanks so much for having me, Danny. I appreciate it. Yes, we are Bright Pass, and um, that name might be new to some of y'all. We just underwent a rebrand about a year ago. So we used to be Prevent Child Abuse Akron, and we're now Bright Pass. Oh, Bright Pass is 100% better, as you well know. Uh, <laughs> sure is, yeah. then, then we can dig into it. Well, uh, you went to University of Georgia and went to the uh, uh, School of Consumer Economics, I guess they call it now, and uh, you also learned a lot about child abuse and a lot about kids there and a lot about families. Tell us what you learned in a, in a short piece and also why you got involved in this uh, ministry. Sure. Yeah, I graduated from um, UGA with a, with a degree in human development and family sciences. And when I graduated, it was called Child and Family Development. And I, I learned to turn just about, about that exactly, about what it means for a child to develop appropriately. And um, what was so striking to me was that so much of our development as adults happens within the first few years of our lives in a time when we really have no control over what's going on in our environment. And um, zero to five is, is a really pivotal time in child development. And so um, we learned a lot about how what a parent does or the environment that a child is in actually impacts them um, and their brain development for the rest of their life. And um, so that's something that stuck with me as I set out on a career to um, just help help kids have a healthy childhood and a great childhood is a little bit of what we're doing here at Bright Path. Well, the young kids, the one in elementary grades, are not really in control of uh, of what they're going to do years down the road, but they their parents are to a certain degree. Right. And, and if it's mm-hmm. a good environment, it's great. Uh, if it's not so good an environment, it's it could be even life threatening, I guess, to a certain degree. Uh, okay. So uh, I, I always come back when we talk about kids, and my wife asked me one time. She says, "Danny, what breaks your heart?" And I immediately responded with children uh, mm-hmm. because uh, they have such a strong place in all of our hearts, but their place in some of the family's hearts are not quite right. And that's why you're doing what you're doing, I guess, to a big, big degree. Uh, child abuse is, of course, not just in Athens. It's all over the world. It's all over the United States. Now, what degree do you say are the number of cases that take place in child abuse just in the state of Georgia? Yeah, 
Um, there are 163,000 cases of abuse and neglect reported every year. And then when a, when a suspicion of abuse and neglect is reported, it goes through an investigation and screening process. And every year, there are around 10,000 cases of child abuse and neglect that are substantiated in the, in the state of Georgia. And that means that um, there are 10,000 cases where somebody has reported it, it's been investigated, and the investigator has come back and said, yes, this is, in fact, um, a true, actual case of child abuse and neglect. So 10,000 of that. And happens in the state. Well, I would venture that the overwhelming majority of the listeners of this program, this episode, wouldn't know that. Uh, there's so little mm-hmm. known about child abuse, but it's such a prevalent challenge. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I, I didn't know that by any means. Uh, most of uh, the kids that we know and grew up with, even if there was child abuse going on, you probably wouldn't know it unless they came to the school with some kind of physical uh, evidence okay. of it. Uh, but it's it's prevalent, and I, I'll never understand why. I think you're going to try to explain to our listeners why it takes place, so that we can yeah. do something about it and uh, make it make it better. Uh, now, you, you've told me in our preliminary uh, information here that parents of abused children or neglected children often uh, feel like they have no other uh, they have no other option. I don't understand that at all. Yeah. So that's a big part of what we try to do is um, give a little context for what some of the families um, that we serve are going through. So there's a big misconception in our community, and I certainly um, used to believe this before I got got involved on a closer level, um, that there are just these awful parents out here who are just wanting and willfully neglecting their kids or beating their kids or abusing their kids just for the heck of it because they're horrible people. And um, while we don't and I want to be super clear, we don't condone or excuse any form of child abuse and neglect for any reason. Every single child deserves a safe and healthy child, and we don't think any of it is okay. We do know that the majority um, of cases that we see could could be prevented um, if a parent or the adult in the situation had some support or some education. And so when we have this idea that there is just horrible parents who are just abusing their kids because they can or because they're evil, and then it leaves us pretty hopeless and pretty judgmental. Um, and honestly, it kind of feels like, well, shoot, what are we going to do about this? This is horrible. There's not much we can do. And, but when we come to understand some of the reasons why parents abuse and neglect their children, and not only does it give us empathy and compassion for people in our community who are hurting, and but honestly, it does what you're talking about, and it gives us hope because if we understand why, then we can prevent it. And so there's several reasons why parents might abuse their children. And, you know, there might be just, gosh, a lack of parenting knowledge. You talked about, I have a degree in child development. Not a lot of people do. And, um, but there are great parents who, do, who don't have child development degrees, but they have people around them who say, hey, um, gosh, your child won't sleep through the night. Here, try this trick. I, I did this. Or a mom who will say, hey, let me come stay with you for the first week after your baby's born and, and help you. Um, or somebody gives them the, you know, what to expect book on a baby shower or writes down all the advice that they wish they had when they were a mom. And there's this, um, in a strong community, in a healthy community, there is a sense of um, responsibility where we're going to help each other through this. You know that saying, it takes a village. Um, a lot of parents that we serve don't have that village. And so they don't get the parenting knowledge that so many of us have to hand it down. Um, similarly, social social isolation is a huge reason. They're doing it on their own, um, so that's really hard. Frequent crisis, you see a parent who just is constantly in crisis, financial crisis, marital, um, have a marital problem, has a major illness. 
you could see that stress begin to build up and a, and a parent might take some of that stress out on their children. And again, that's not okay. Um, but when we start to see the reasoning behind why children are abused and neglected in some cases, we can um, work to prevent it and we can work to, to, to meet those parents where they're at and give them the education um, or the support or the concrete needs um, that they need to, to raise their children in a healthy environment. Well, is it not true that uh, child abuse is uh, not only colorblind, it's ethnic blind? It happens in all different types of families uh, all across the nation. Uh, and probably the majority of it may be identified at this point in time. Yeah, we, we see all types of families, um, all types of children experiencing abuse and neglect. There are definitely risk factors that put children um, at a higher risk than others. And, and some of those are socioeconomical, some of them are racial, some of them are and some of the demographics that would put a children at higher risk of abuse and neglect. But, um, yeah, you're right that it definitely impacts all of our community. Well, again, I can't imagine anything more horrible, that's a good term, I think, than child abuse. Uh, I can't mm -hmm. imagine anything more life-threatening, lifetime-impacting than that. But I certainly like the idea that folks like you are putting their heart and soul into this to try to find ways to uh, prevent it, uh, to uh, address it, and to make things better for the family. Uh, you know, if a, if a dad comes home and uh, he's had a horrible day at work, and maybe he's had a horrible year, he's not making enough to fulfill his responsibility to his children, to his family. Maybe it's a natural reaction because the kids can't fight back. Uh, mm -hmm. to, to abuse them. Is that kind of a scenario sometimes? Yeah, I mean, we, stress is a huge risk factor, and all of us have stress, but you just painted a, a great picture of a of a parent who um, is working and is trying their best but doesn't make enough to provide for their family. Well, that's, that's a serious amount of stress that a lot of us can't imagine. And um, Then you can see how a parent might overreact when a child spills the milk, when that was their last, you know, $3 to buy the milk, and then the child knocks it over. Well, those of us who aren't really worried about the milk probably aren't screaming at our kids about it. Um, but if that, if you're already so high on your stress threshold, then you could kind of understand why that might set a parent over the edge um, in that example. We, we see a lot of neglect cases that, that actually, in most years, neglect cases are more common than um, physical abuse cases. And I, I talk about this example a lot, but this might kind of help some, some people envision the families that we're working with. So let's say we've got a single mom. She has two or three children, and she's working two jobs to provide for her kids. Um, she works hard. She's a, she's a good mom. She's trying her best. She loves her kids. Um, but she's living paycheck to paycheck and just honestly is trying to survive the day, just get through the day. Well, one day she is done with her um, job, her first job. She takes the bus, goes pick up her kids from after school or um, wherever they are. They ride home. She's starting to make dinner. And wondering how in the world she's going to feed these kids. They're, they're hungry. She's got very little left in the fridge to feed them. She's working on dinner. And her boss calls and says, hey, I need you to come in for a second shift. We need you to come work the night shift. We're understaffed. Somebody else called out. I need you. Well, now she's got a choice to make, right? She can either say, no, I can't. I don't have child care. I can't come in. And then she risks the money that she would earn from that, from that second shift and potentially risks her job if her boss can find somebody who will come in whenever he calls. Um, which would keep her refrigerator empty, right, which is child neglect. If investigated, that would be a substantiated case of child neglect if she can't feed her kids. Her other option is no good either, right? Her other option is to leave her kids 
home alone, tuck them in, lock the doors, hope they don't wake up, or maybe ask the neighbor down the street that she doesn't know that well, will you come watch, watch my kids, putting your kids in a potentially dangerous situation, um, which, if investigated, if things go south, then that's that's child neglect, too. That's called neglect supervision if you don't um, have appropriate supervision. And so she's kind of got an impossible choice. Um, and I think that's where this idea of so many of us look at a mom like that, gosh, how could you leave your kids home alone with a neighbor? And then, you know, who knows what happened? How could you do that? But really the question is, what situation did you find yourself in where you felt like you had no other choice than to leave your four-year-old home alone overnight? You know, you know what I mean? So I think that's a scenario that we see a lot um, in terms of neglect and in terms of parents who are, who they're trying their best, but they just don't have the support that they need. Um, and that's where Bright Path comes in. We try to offer that support in several different ways um, so that parents have have situations that offer better choices um, than maybe some of the ones that they've been dealt in the past. Well, expand on that neglect just a little bit more for us. Uh, I can see where if your boss called you in and you had to go and you left your children there, or if you left your child when you went grocery shopping. Uh, right. A lot of di- kids have died that way because of the heat and other things. Uh, is there mm-hmm. o- Are there other types of neglect that uh, you see prevalent? Yeah, there's, there's lots of um, types of neglect. There's neglect supervision, like I mentioned. Um, there, there is medical neglect. Um, if, it, if the child's not able to get to the doctor, um, if the parent is not taking their child to the doctor um, enough or at the appropriate time or when they get sick. And again, that's not okay. It's the parent's job to make sure that a child is taken care of, right? But if a parent doesn't have access um, to good health care, then they might feel like they don't have any other choice. Not, they don't know how they're going to pay for the medication, you know. Um, so it's not okay. We don't we don't condone it, but we do try to look past just the just the neglect of gosh, how could you not take your kids to the doctor, you know? Um, so there's that type of neglect, neglect supervision, neglect medical. There's um, lots of different types of abuse. Gosh, we do a whole we do a whole training on how to recognize and report abuse. Right? Of course, there's physical abuse, emotional abuse, um, sexual abuse. Um, we are learning a lot more now about emotional abuse and just how, and even the way that children are um, raised and the, the, the types of nurturing environments or lack thereof that a parent provides um, has a physical impact on the way that their brain develops. I mean, that, that can actually hinder their physical development um, if they are emotionally abused or emotionally neglected. Well, let's talk about guilt. Does guilt play into this? Uh, you know, why did I have you anyway? Uh, and things like that, uh, uh, a pregnancy that wasn't planned and nor wanted, and then you got to deal with that child. Does that come into play? Yeah, that's a good question. We don't, we don't ask, we don't think about that. So I couldn't give you a, a um, official or an educated answer. But um, I will say we see a lot of parents who like, like any of us. I don't know if you have kids, but um, everybody I know, me and all my friends, when we look at our families of origin, the parents that we grew up with, there are things about our family, right? Even if we have the best family, which I would love to have a fantastic family. And there are still things that I would go, man, I am never going to do what my mom did. I would never say that to my kid, right? Well, play that out. And now you've got a child, an adult who's raising a child, but that adult grew up in an abusive or neglectful um, environment themselves. And now they do have that mindset of, gosh, I, I'm not going to be the kind of parent that I had. Um, and so we do see a lot of these families that we're working with who are trying their best to break the cycle of abuse and neglect. And um, being raised in an abusive or neglectful household is a major risk factor and for that person, that adult's child, to also grow up in an abusive or neglectful environment. 
Well, we had uh, April Farlow on a couple mm-hmm. episodes yeah. back. You may or may not know her. You say you do. I uh, do. She mm-hmm. helped start uh, Lydia's place. And yeah. as you well know, that's a place where uh, more older uh, uh, kids that are orphans or don't really have a family and all like that, but they still want to become an independent person in their life. And she helps them do that. It's a marvelous, marvelous ministry. Mm-hmm. And it kind of ties into what you're doing. This this stuff just doesn't go away, uh, whether you're abused or neglected or even abandoned by your parents. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can either make the best of it with some help and support or you can... Uh, go down with it, so to speak. And I tell mm-hmm. you, the other thing that, that is prevalent is uh, verbal abuse, uh, which turns into mm-hmm. emotional abuse. Mm-hmm. You, you may never strike your child uh, anytime, but you can abuse them horribly through what you say yeah. to them. That's right. Yeah, that's right. You see, yeah, and, and yeah, April is uh, doing great work at Lydia's place. And she, she works a lot in the um, intervention side, right? So when a child ages out of foster care, then they're there. Um, so our goal is to eliminate foster care. We want kids' um, abuse and neglect to be prevented so much so that a child never has to be removed from their home. And of course, that's, you know, that's a, that's a pipe dream, but we do think that we can um, reduce instances of children having to be removed from their home. Um, and that if we can strengthen families where they're at, then kids get to stay with their families. And that is, um, in almost every circumstance, that's, that's best for the child. If we can partner with Right. parents to keep where they're at. Okay. Again, we're talking with Sally Starrett. Uh, she is the director CEO of Bright Pass, and she's doing a great job, although she's only been doing it since December. But we applaud <laughs> her interest in it and her effort to really make a difference, which we all ought to be doing, make a difference in these kids. Uh, but let's talk about the good side. Let's talk about how mm-hmm. we can prevent uh, child abuse, yeah. how we identify it, and what we can do to make it better. Yeah, so that is what we're doing every day is we're working to prevent child abuse. Our, our mission is um, to prevent abuse and neglect in all of their forms in Athens and the surrounding areas. Um, so we're in five counties right now and looking to expand all the time. And um, so what we do at Bypass that we would love for people to be a part of um, in terms of, of prevention is we have three direct service programs and, and then we have a community involvement um, portion of our program. So our first program that we offer to parents is called our First Steps Program, and this is a universally offered program to any new parent of a newborn in either Athens Hospital. So if you are a new parent and you have a baby at um, Piedmont Athens Regional or at St. Mary's, our staff is there and, and offering services. Now, not every parent there wants their services or needs our services, right? But we offer them universally to every new parent um, of a newborn at either local hospital. And that's when we're doing things like... Um, uh, you know, uh, connecting parents um, and families to services in the community that they might need. So if this is a family who um, has a baby and they don't know how to apply for WIC, well, well, if they don't, they might not be able to feed their kid, and that's neglect, right? So we're going to be there to connect them to the WIC clinic to make sure they know um, how to how to get those food vouchers to feed their child. We might connect them to a pediatrician that's on the bus line or that's in their neighborhood that they can take their baby to. Um, we're asking questions like, tell me where your baby's going to gonna sleep when you go home. And, um, you know, if we find out that they don't have a safe place to sleep, then we have safe sleep kits that we provide for families who need them. So that's um, a crib, you know, um, unsafe sleep is directly correlated to SIDS, which is the leading cause of death in children. And so if we can prevent that by giving someone a crib or a pack and play, then we're going to do that. And so that's our first step for them. And then as parents are in the hospital, we're screening them with the um, data that they consent to and then 
um, some demographic data that we have and work screening them for our Healthy Families Home Visiting Program. And this is an intensive home visiting program for our mo most at-risk families and um, that a parent can choose to be in this program from the time that their baby is born until they're five years old or start school. And this is where our home visitors are in the homes of these children weekly or monthly, depending on um, their risk level. And they're sitting down, you know, on the floor in the living room with parents, and they're going through these ASQ, Ages and Stages questionnaire and developmental milestones screening assessments with the parents. And so that does two things, right? Number one, if we see that a child is not meeting milestones, and then we're able to provide immediate intervention and immediately refer that parent um, to the pediatrician or to Babies Can't Wait or to another program that will help um, get the kid caught up. But secondly, it's, it's, it's support. It's teaching a parent um, next to them in their environment, this is how you look for what your child should be doing. And here's your next set of milestones. And here's how you get your child to that next set of milestones. Or here's what your child should be doing right now and how you can support them. And so we're teaching them. Um, positive parenting. We're teaching, we use a nurturing parenting program. And um, so that program can last for up to five years if the, if a family wants to stay in and then they graduate and throw a big graduation party um, and their children are more ready for school um, and parents are better parents because of the time spent in our Healthy Families program. Lastly, our, our last direct service program that we offer are parenting classes. And so we offer free parenting classes to anybody in the community. Um, we see over a thousand parents every year and we're teaching appropriate discipline, we're teaching nutrition, um, we're teaching nurturing parenting, we're teaching um, all kinds of things to just help got to relationship um, courses where we're teaching parents how to be healthier people and raise healthier children um, so that they know, just, just like you said, just like we said earlier, so that they just have the education support they need. Um, we had a mom the other day who we were teaching a class and she just started crying in the middle of the class, just bawling crying. And so we stopped and said, hey, what, what, wrong? are you okay? And she said, and I could cry even talking about it, she just said, gosh, I had no idea that it was an option to be a different kind of mom than my mom was. She said, I just thought that's how you were a mom. And she grew up in an in a abusive and neglectful household herself. And she, it had never occurred to her that she didn't have to parent the way that her mom parented. And through our parenting class, um, our facilitator was able to teach that you can. You can be a healthy parent. You can raise a healthy child, and you can break the cycle of abuse or neglect um, that you maybe were subject to as a as a child. So we're out in the community doing that all the time, um, and then of course we offer community education and teach community reporting and stuff like that too. Well, that's amazing. You know, here we hear a lot about cradle to grave. Golly, bum! You're just trying mm -hmm. to get them cradle to adulthood, uh, uh, to be teenagers yes. or something like that, uh, to have opportunities, uh, because mm -hmm. every life is important. And everybody can make a difference if they get the opportunity. But you can't yeah. get the opportunity if you're really abused so bad that you don't want the opportunity. I, I don't know how that plays out together, but it sounds like to me you've got great programs that you're totally involved in it. Uh, if somebody wants some help and if they want some hope, they need to call you. That's right. Any, any, any parent, if there's a parent listening that needs help, um, number one, you're not alone. We all need help. Every parent on there needs help. Um, if you go to our website, Bright Path Athens, Bright Path with an S, brightpathathens.org, um, there's a contact us tab, and you can say what you're interested in, parenting classes, or um, just somebody to talk to, and we will be in touch with you. Well, that's so important, and I, you have given me an education, uh, not just about child abuse, but what we can do about it here in our community and other mm -hmm. communities. Uh, I hope a lot of people listen to this, whether you've got child abuse or not, you need to be aware 
that exist right here in Athens, Georgia, in Watkinsville, Georgia, and all over Georgia, but we can do mm-hmm. something about it if we're community-oriented and we try to listen to what you've got available to you. Now, mm-hmm. what about this? Where do you get your funds to, to have this program be so successful? We are about 70% funded by state and federal grants, um, a little bit more than that. And then we have an annual fundraiser, which, of course, was canceled this past year, um, uh, past two years, actually, because of COVID. Um, and then we have a small percentage, about 10 to 12% of our funds that are given by um, individuals. So for us, our, our, our large grants come from DFAC and the Department of Public Health, and they're fantastic. But anybody who knows anything about working with grants knows that those are all restricted funds. Anytime you get a grant, the grantor writes you a big old check, but then they tell you exactly what to do with every single dollar, and you have to track it and report it. Um, so something that we really, really need at Bright Path as we're looking to expand um, are some unrestricted funds, and those come from just community members, um, whether they're small businesses, whether they're individual donors. Um, those are people who, you know, we talk about safe sleep kits. Well, we don't have a grant for safe sleep kits, so if we don't have any money in our account, in our unrestricted account, um, then we hear about a parent who needs a safe place for their baby to sleep, and we can't provide that. Um, but if we get money from individual donors, then we can provide basic needs like safe sleep kits. Um, in fact, $10 a month would provide a safe sleep kit for a family. Um, or, you know, we want to offer more parenting classes, but we've, we've maxed out some of our grants on parenting classes. So for $100 a month, um, somebody provided eight-week parenting class series. And so we really need funds from the community, unrestricted individual donors um, who are willing to partner with us to prevent child abuse and neglect in our community. Well, you know, we have a tendency to blame everything on COVID, but I can promise you, and you know better than I know, that child abuse didn't just stop because of COVID. It went right on through last year, and uh, the needs are still there, probably even greater than before because these kids are staying at home, and uh, they're they're, uh, not being attended to in some cases. They're being neglected, Uh, so uh, it just really bugs me, I tell you, that uh, we want to blame everything on covid uh, when we've got the needs out there. But maybe by becoming more aware, we can do something about it and be great, mm-hmm. greater citizens and support your program with everything we've got. Uh, there's so many needs out there, but I'm going to tell you something. There is no greater need than the children and their challenges. There is none, in my opinion. Uh, the children that have been locked up in their homes all these last uh, 18 months, 16 months, or whatever it is, not being able to communicate or socialize with their fellow students and wear a mask all the time. Uh, you can kind of see where I'm leaning to, but I'm leaning to the kids, to the children that need our support, uh, even the ones that are not abused. And I, I appreciate very much what you're doing. I, I know that uh, your heart's in it. It sure sounds like it from the way you explain it to us. And if you want to get involved, then the thing to do is to go to, what, your website? What is that again? Well, and folks, uh, these kids, in many cases, don't have anywhere else to turn. Neither do the parents that don't know a lot about child abuse and they don't even recognize the fact that they are abusing the children. But there is prevention. There are opportunities. And we need to capitalize on us those opportunities by going to that site. Uh, again, I, I just can't think of anything uh, any greater in a need than a child's needs. Uh, I always will believe that much, and I, I'm going to support it every way I can. 
I, I can't tell you, Sally, uh, how proud I am to interview you and to hear more about Bright Pass, and we want to hear a lot more about it. And you just keep your head up and your heart uh, involved, and I'm sure that you'll continue to be very, very successful at what you do. Well, thank you so much. It was great to talk to you, and thanks for having us and using your platform to help us uh, shed a light on, on the child abuse prevention. I forgot to warn you, but uh, we do try to get a tip of the day uh, that's a hopeful tip or quote or where you find hope in what you're doing, but it should be easy for you to uh, mm-hmm. to say that right here at the end. A tip to find hope. I think the best advice I've ever gotten, um, and I gosh, I wish I could I wish I could remember where I got it from. I would like to credit my source, but um, is to find out a person's story. That there's not a person that you wouldn't like uh, most of the time if you just learn their story. And I think the same is true of the families that we serve. If you would just um, drop some assumptions and actually get to know a person and learn their story, then there's a lot of hope to be found um, for them and, and for ourselves. Well, and that hope needs to be provided by an organization like you because, you know, the outside of the look of the house may have a nice uh, prune uh, garden and it painted and all that stuff, but it's what goes on inside that house that makes it so uh, concerning to our community. Thank you again for what you do, and we're going to continue to to provide the thread of hope with all of our episodes. Subscribe to our social media and share your stories on the hopewithdanny.com website. Remember, it's all about hope. I'm your host, Danny Daniel. This episode was recorded at Vega Studios.